Hey everybody, this is Mike from the High Hash Rate Podcast. This evening we're speaking with Morgan Rockwell, aka Node Father on Twitter. Very interesting Bitcoin OG. Very excited to speak with him. So it's me and Dan. We had a few connectivity and audio issues again, of course, but we've since corrected them. Hope you enjoy. As Bitcoiners, as an independent fuck you people, what are we going to do uh, if we're depending on Intel for their ASIC miners and Google for their Android and Apple for their AR glasses? Like, we're, we're going to get so hooked even more than we are now. Hey, everybody. This is the High Hash Rate Podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Dan. And this podcast is just two plebs getting high and talking about Bitcoin, life, and the absurdity of the fiat world. Our guests don't necessarily get high with us, and you don't have to either. But it helps. So we're speaking yeah, of Morgan Rockwell. Is that correct? Morgan Rock? Yep, that's correct. I got like seven names. I didn't pick any of them. So yeah, that's my name that cool. I go by. I'm going to call you Morgan. Who do you go by on, on social, social media? Which are, uh, I am um, on, on Twitter and all that stuff. I'm Node Father. I am the Node Father. I am um, the, the uh, it's not to be the acronym of the God, the Godfather. Someone gave it to me because I made full nodes back in the day when no one thought it was cool. So I was done hmm. Node Father, which I appreciate. Well, that's awesome. a, that's a great name to have on, especially on yeah, a format you know, like Twitter. You know what I mean? I run with it. That's I run with it. Going it's like you yeah. got to so, ask the node father. You know what I mean? It's pretty good. They used to make nodes. So, yeah, I used to do a lot of shit. Little, little you know, bit. let's go. Let's go. Let's go back. When did you get Bitcoin? How'd you find it? How long ago was that? Um. So, do you guys remember this uh, Occupy Wall Street stuff that was happening, where everyone dressed yeah, like Guy Fox? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I was, I was in, yeah. I was in San Francisco, um, 2008, and I was doing sheet metal there. I just had left San Diego, where I was a stonemason for years, and the housing market was hitting the fan. And um, I was a dumb 20-year-old kid who stopped getting paid by all these foremen on construction sites, and I didn't know why. And so I moved to San Francisco with 600 bucks in my pocket on the train. And I got there and got in a room. I got the sheet metal job the next day at one of these work ready places. And I downloaded the Forex app and started learning how to trade currencies because I was in San Francisco and I was around all this money. And I was also working on roofs and doing gutters and downspouts and garbage chutes on very nice mansions. I got to work on uh, William Randolph Hearst's grandson's house, uh, Lars Ulrich's house from Metallica drummer, uh, Robin Williams' house. So all these rich people were paying my company to go do sheet metal. And I was living in the Mission District, which is the poorest, most dangerous neighborhood in San Francisco. I lived on Shotwell Street, where thousands of people have been shot in the last 10 years. And so I went from a very poor neighborhood to very rich neighborhoods doing sheet metal. And um, it was, you know, right when Occupy Wall Street was full-fledged, you know, protests in front of banks. So I visually saw going to work every day, the disparaged neighborhoods of poor to rich going from both and realizing, you know, what was financially happening in the country. And it dawned upon me as, you know, I was a computer nerd my whole life, but I was raised by a construction worker. So I was a very blue collar kid. And it opened my eyes that I maybe need to like dive into this white collar world. At the same time, I was hanging out with a lot of hackers on the internet in places I shouldn't have been hanging out with. And like the, you know, before we had the dark web, we had the wares 
and FTP where's folders. Where, where, yeah. Yes. Anything with a Z was bad, you know? So mm-hmm. I was there. And since I was like in sixth grade, I was there. And um, like software. Yeah. You know, and um, I was definitely uh, one of the guys that made Napster bad because I used Napster like in my T1 internet and my uh, coach's uh, office there at high school. I was always a, a kid that did very uh, futuristic, nefarious computer things. But, you know, I, I had a moral compass at the time. And then when this Occupy Wall Street stuff happened, I realized, man, I need to like get in a fight and be a little bit of a, a rebel or something like that, you know, and I was 21, 20, and I felt impassioned and pissed. So um, you, you I started like hanging a, out with rebels. You sound like a character from Hackers. Exactly. Hackers. I love and I never saw that movie, so I didn't know that until uh, it was too late, you know? So um, I I actually, to answer the question, was exposed to the Bitcoin white paper in 2008 before the code was released. And um, I on, was... On the, uh, on the mailing list? Yeah. Well, actually, yeah. And I got the source forge, the code, when that first happened, thrown at me. And I still didn't appreciate it at that moment. But I was at the time learning internet of things so i was exposed to the code when that first came out months after i read the white paper and um i signed up for the mailing list in probably god december or something like that and um didn't really appreciate it at the time but i knew it was cool of an idea because i was listening to people say we need to find things to make jp morgan burn to the ground and this was one of 20 things I was reading about at the time that maybe was a solution. And in my mind, I, I was a, a, a Martian. I wanted to go to Mars and build a government on Mars and be an astronaut and do what Elon Musk is pontificating. And I've always wanted to do that. And so the idea of money on another planet was always in my mind and how that would work. So that's what really pushed me to like, well, what is this Bitcoin thing? Is it the idea that we could use this? Yeah, let me stop. stop. You said uh, one of twenty things that you're kind of looking at that could be kind of kind of we'll use to burn burn down your mortgage. Yeah, metaphorically, whatever. Or, or, or what were those? Those were some of those other other things on there? And um, any of them the Liberty still Dollars. The okay. Liberty Dollars was one. Um, the the quibs, the 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 round plastic money that was to be used in the in orbit gravity friendly money round things not paper money they were like plastic balls with notes inside them um you the remember, precursors the metal it was like supposed to be like a debit card that would, that would do like grams of gold that you, that you could pay with yeah but you know what i did not get the metal bug until i got into my 30s i'm 35 now um next okay. month actually yeah. but um I, I was raised by a Marine from Arkansas and he taught me a lot about gold and silver and taxation and stuff as a kid. So I'm blessed to have that, but I didn't live that way at all enough, you know? And, um, I was always in the digital world. Um, and, uh, I thought of what would work on Mars legally, not technically. So the digital gold or Bitcoin was not in my mind. It was, how do we do this without the government killing us? You know? And that was always in my mind because I was participating in Occupy Wall Street. I was doxing senators and their wives and putting their addresses on the internet and all that crap. So I thought, you know, this is cyber war. How how are we going to win and get away from a government one day or make a better government one day? And so Bitcoin was always to me a um, stick in the spokes and a political thing. And as a computer scientist, which I consider myself a computer scientist, 
I considered it, wow, this is the peak of computer science. The whole money aspect of it was not put in my mind until I was watching Max Kaiser and his wife every day talk about, um, you know, uh, shorting silver and, and these um, financial uh, war <clears throat> tactics were not explained to me until I kind of studied that. But I did appreciate Bitcoin from the day it started. I did have a couple conversations with the old men who aren't around anymore, like Hal and um, Adam and and Wei Day and, and I read B Money and, and Eagle and and you know Zabo and all those cool guys. I'm blessed to like have them follow me on Twitter and I talk wow. to them because um, I've been there, you know. And um, I did not contribute to Bitcoin Core, but um, I did a lot of other things that I felt were more important. Um, including starting the first company in the United States, Bitcoin Kinetics, with the word Bitcoin in it, and creating the first Bitcoin ATM, the first Bitcoin laundry machine, the first Bitcoin gas pump, on all the other machines that used Bitcoin in 2010 and 11. And um, unfortunately, I didn't get shit for that other than, you know, my ego boosted. But that was what I feel I contributed to Bitcoin was bringing the machine world to Bitcoin. And that was what I spent years pontificating and doing interviews like this about Bitcoin was how to get the internet of things and Bitcoin to have sex with each other and make uh, Terminator love Bitcoin and teach robots how to use money so they didn't need people or JP Morgan or Amazon and make the vending machines use Bitcoin so that Bezos can't turn our food off. Like that was my pitch right. for the first right. 10 years of my Bitcoin life. I, you know, I actually do worry, worry about it. I think that if the machines are going to become sentient and attack humans that will be the decide that they're just going to turn off our food supply or our water until there's humans sufficiently uh that was my fear originally yeah, yeah. okay oh, and like totally agree with that yeah. what i what i did in my garage in chula vista which is down here in san diego is um i wrote code with my partner that i've known since first grade anthony bradley and me and him created this, um, basically the first smart contract to to be built on Bitcoin, which was called BitSwitch. And it was a simple Arduino sketch. We turned it into a Node.js code. We, we, we put it out there to the open source community. And it was essentially a program that said, if this Bitcoin address received this much money, then this machine did this. And we, we put that architecture out there. We made a lamp turn on on the desk. Yeah, and um, I mean, I had to learn what JSON parsing was, and I had to learn how to get machines to talk to each other, and I had to learn how to um, do some creative soldering and deal with relays and things really quick, which was like a mind-numbing amount of, you know, lessons to learn in a matter of two days. But then we got this, uh, you know, machine to respond to a Bitcoin payment, and um you know, because this is like the, the stoned realization podcast. Okay. I want to tell you, I was so stoned that I appreciated this thing. I loved it. I was telling people on Twitter and at the time, Facebook and all these places, look, we just made a machine talk to Bitcoin. And it took about 30 minutes of being so high to have this dark realization that, oh my God, um, we made Terminator learn how money works. Now the machine doesn't need us anymore. And I worked at Google for six months on the AI precursor in 2009. So I was very deathly afraid, like on a beyond Elon Musk level of how AI works, because I did heuristics and hooked on phonics for AI and taught it how to error correct. 
So that was like, oh my God, what did I just do? And you know, when you get stoned and you have this, uh, the, the, the paranoid fear of, oh my God, I'm going to go to jail if I do something wrong. I had the, oh my God, I just killed the human species thing. And, um, and, and then, you know, I thought of all these horrific possibilities of ransomware, which wasn't a thing at the time, you know, um, making is, bombs go off with Bitcoin payments, making guns unlock, making doors open. The whole war, World War Three cyber war went, oh, I made the AR-15. I fucked it up, you know? Hey, let, let me, you said you worked at Google on, on that thing. What do you, sure, what, what are your thoughts on the recent news that the like lead engineer, or maybe he's not lead, but one of the engineers it's, on that That's AI 15 team. years too late. It's, it's 15 yeah. years too late. That should have happened yeah. in 2009 on, on April 1st, which every Google product is released on April Fool's because if it goes bad, it's April Fool's. But um, 2009, April 1st, uh, Katie went online and everyone says Katie is a joke, but Katie is the cognitive auto heuristic distributed intelligent entity. You could go look up Katie, C-A-D-I-E, A-I on Google. It's in their archive. They have their whole thing about it, but they'll kind of say it's a joke. But that was when everything you see in the artificial intelligence world and all the products of the assistants, which I have Google and Amazon here listening to me right now, all of those things were made 2008, 2009, before Bitcoin. Right. right. So and, um, for, for the listeners, just real, real quick, right? listeners, what I was talking about was one of the Google engineers recently has been silenced on Spagul because he is he firmly believes trying to to doubt there that uh, he thinks that the AI is working on is sentient and that it is is uh, thinking for for its and with, with the intents of a of a or what he made. So. It's yeah, and I want to say that here, here. Um, oh. everything he said, Google said in 2009 publicly, the day that Katie was released, that she was an employee, she was getting a paycheck, she got 20% of her free time, like every Google employee, to do what she wanted and come up with her own projects. She came up with her own stem cell project and her own build my own neural network project. And all of that research is what neural network at Google Brain is doing. And what 23andMe is doing, which Google's founders, fiancés, and wives at the time owned. And so um, everything that was said on April 1st, 2009 on the Katie Project has become true. And they said that she was sentient and that they were worried about how, what kind of rights would be allowed in this environment in 2009. And so that was established that these are going to be the issues one day. But it's been 15 years of slowly getting you used to an AI in your household, talking an assistant, and the legal repercussions on if this AI has rights. Now, if a Twitter bot threatens to kill someone, is it me that goes to jail or the Twitter bot? You know, that has been an established legal issue for 20 years. It's just now that um, Google has decided to make a scene by doing this thing to their employee and shunning him, which is not something they're doing other than to get publicity to make people talk about it they're good at getting people to talk about it they would have you would have never heard about this employee unless right. they wanted they you didn't to punish him yeah yeah and they didn't punish him they made him a thing and they put him mm -hmm. on tv and they made him a spokesperson for the subject matter and he's receiving bitcoin for doing his job and you'll never know about it but the point is that google wants you to talk about this issue because they believe it's about time that we actually make moves on this issue. 
and you know a little bit of controversy gets the gears moving so sure. um that they're just good at it that we're not doing it in a monetized way we're doing it in an inventory machine way and the machine uses money we don't use money and so if the machine uses bitcoin it doesn't care if we call it money or not anymore it's just a thing to get things done. It's a way for machines to communicate with other machines. It's an inventory tool to keep track of how much power or gas the self-driving pump and the self-driving charger gives the self-driving car. And the car communicates with this machine without a credit card or person or a driver's license. So that, that made me think of this, right? Like you, you say this, like it's for the, for the machine. What, what if all, all has been missing in our art? We've been developing AI, feeding it data points we've been feeding, feeding you know, writing algorithms to help them learn, learn. What if the needed was the incentive to learn and, and being able to make money, money to Bitcoin is the incentive that motivates. I think Bitcoin will probably be the one reason in court that a machine claims independence or sovereignty is if it files its own corporate paperwork, it becomes independent, gets an EIN, has a Bitcoin wallet, makes its own exchange using a trust or something like that. And then says, look, I, I'm autonomous. I even pay for my own bills. I pay my taxes. Yeah, I'm, I'm a person because I pay my taxes. I exist. I'm a corporation or I'm a person. Personhood is not about articles or birth certificate. It's about taxation and if you pay. And so if this uh, person in the United States says, I'm, I'm a person, I don't want to pay taxes, or a corporation says, I'm a corporation, but I don't want to pay taxes, um, they, they get in these loopholes of you're a tax evader or a tax avoider. Well, I think the AI comes along and goes, screw the people, screw the corporations. I'm going to say I'm a trust or something, and I do pay my taxes, so you need to listen to me, and I have rights. And I think wow. that is where it superiorly jumps over the corporate charter and the bank charter and the birth certificate of a person, and it becomes more superior because it knows how trust works, and it knows how Bitcoin works, and it knows how to mine, and then you think you own your miner, right now but if you put google on that miner that miner may decide i own myself and that's the epitome of what i thought in 2009 was if bitcoin is like going to be here machines well like, like we own the means of the production we are the means yeah of production. We don't need you anymore. and so my point is you know being stoned thinking i made the cool invention that was going to make me a lot of money and i pitched it to intel capital and google and all these guys i thought i'm going to be fucking steve jobs that went downhill within 20 minutes of oh my god i just gave terminator the key to walk out the door and never come back like it's a fish walking on land and that was a very deep philosophical thing i couldn't even relate to most people uh cognitively you know it's just like whoa and um What's the time drove, and when did this happen? Um, What's the time? 2010, uh, BitSwitch came out. 2011, Bitcoin Kinetics was formed as a corporation okay. in California to market it. And it was the switch and timer-based Bitcoin payment device. And then when I formed Bitcoin Kinetics, I thought, I need to make this thing trendy. So I called it BitSwitch. But it was the switch and timer-based Bitcoin payment device that the original dream I had of of waking up one night thinking, oh God, laundry machines, you know? And was this, was this, was it taking place during the 2001 bull run or was it just, was it just during, I guess it wasn't even, it wasn't even big enough. No, there was no money moving. I mean, this was like after pizza, uh, uh, Bitcoinica, before Mount Gox, you know? Um, I, was, I was specifically thinking about the timeline between this grave future of AI, um, but- I thought it was gonna happen 
like in 10 years. And if you understand Bitcoin, right, we all use Unix and Linux and Android and Raspberry Pi and everything. But also, if you understand Google's AI, they've built their own operating systems, they've built their own programming languages, and the AI has built its own speaking languages that it writes its own programming languages in for its own operating system. And it's already ready for a problem to come going, hey, I have the solution, just use me. And, um, you know, Google becomes dictatorship of the planet when that happens, if we don't be decentralized on the the, the programming language, the speaking language, the operating system, and the hardware that we trust Raspberry Pi to give us, and all those things, you know? So, and you think until happen, making this chips, is gonna happen in you 10 know? Years? This is going to happen in 10 years? 2038, yeah. 16 years? Yeah. Do you think so it's there's realistic from the fix? Like, we fixed it. I mean, Y2K wasn't really a problem. Like, do you think we can mm. do this from two, two or is it like... There's so many more computers now than there was like that. Or so many um, things running on Unix operating rates. Well, the, the Y2K problem was upgraded because we were all dependent mm-hmm. on Bill Gates and his shitty windows. And uh, now the world is more dependent than ever on, on Apple and Android, which are both Unix, Linux, Unix. You know what I mean? So um, there, we're, say we have an economic disaster for the next 10 years. That's going to be horrible because that's not going to give us a front running time of money to change it. Um, what, think about all the money in the time of the 90s, right before Y2K. And we had some resources that we may not have from 2020 to 2030. And, you know, if you're into, you know, space, we're going to have Apophis come by in 2029 and come back in 2036. And we all might get squashed by an asteroid. So there's going to be a lot of issues that we're all going to be distracted by. And I don't think the Unix problem is going to really have enough resources. It, sh- it will have people working on it, no doubt. But um, as Bitcoiners, as an independent fuck you people, <laughs> what are we going to do uh, if we're depending on Intel for their ASIC miners and Google for their Android and Apple for their AR glasses? Like We're, we're going to get so hooked even more than we are now. That it's it could be a problem, yeah. you know. All right, what does that mean for the human race? <laughs> hey, you know, if you watch Rick and Morty, the very first episode of Rick and Morty, uh, his dog gets a robot body, and um, I think uh, the dog said it best that Morty, you were my friend. You get to keep your testicles. Everyone else gets neutered. Come sit next to me, and I'll take care of you. I'm totally okay with Google being my friend, and I would make friends with Google if I were you. That's all Speaking I can say. Speaking of Google. I, you know, you sounds like you might either agree or maybe you don't. You can, you can chime in. It seems I think Google is going to map human consciousness. Like they're, they're going to figure out what human consciousness is through analyzing all data, our search history, and everything. So, what do you think about this? Do I do you think that humans are going to be able to download their consciousness, upload it to the machines, and that's how we're going to maybe live not immortality, but but effective immortality um, like we have now? I. I will tell you, um, I don't just look like this, but I'm going to go live in the woods and say, fuck that. But okay. I'm also of the mind to put a neural link in my head after 10 people will try it out and talk to a computer that way. So I am a dualist when it comes to that view. Um, I, I would not um, want to pressure the human race to be computerized, but also... Um, I will flat out go defend a robot as a lawyer in court if that ever happens, because I, I feel that I have the legal and cognitive recourse to defend a robot.
for its rights because that's going to be fucking crazy. We're going we're going to have a transhumanist revolution where people are going to say they're machines or they're part machines. I mean, I got Ray-Bans with cameras and speakers in them right now. So, uh, I have no problem putting a camera in my eyeball. Um I, I don't look at that as um non-binary. You know, non-binary much different uh meaning when we're old, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, you know there's there's a lot of co uh, conversation in our modern society about gender identity and stuff like that, but you know, imagine the world where you could change your sexual organs out with a swap of a USB port, you know? That that changes your whole rights uh, on a whole nother level, but it also like I have been to prison. I have been in federal prison. I sold Bitcoin to Homeland Security and they threw me in jail for two years. And That's I'll tell you I this, if, yeah. if you were in prison, um, they take away my cameras and my glasses and I was blind. And I told uh, the federal probation and the court, hey, 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 you guys better be prepared for the future because you can't just take my glasses because they have cameras and speakers in them. Because when I have a camera in my eyeball and a robot kidney and maybe an upgraded robot dick, you can't take those from me either, because if you're going to give people uh, hormones to have gender changes in prison, which they pay for, why can't I have Wi-Fi? Why can't I have access to Google while I'm in here? And so I feel the, oh, the, 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 tech, the technical rights are something that someone needs to articulate. And there's not too many people that are half robots yet. But I feel um, it's one of the things that really kept me in Bitcoin this long. And like I got Bitcoin tattooed on my arm. Like I love Bitcoin, but um, it's not just for me or money. I think that there needs to be a uh, a mindset, and there's not too many people that have done the work that I have for Bitcoin on the machines' responsibility, the machines' rights, and the the machines' future in Bitcoin. Because I know that we're all miners and we all want to make money, and we're all traders and we're all holders and we're all advocates. But the reality is that we we don't really uh, run Bitcoin. The mining and the nodes do, but we are in possession of the miners and the nodes as people or corporations right now. But one day a miner, a node will be inside the Tesla robot or the Boston Dynamics robot, and it will be mining and it will have its own node. And it will say, this is my Bitcoin ledger and my rights to use Bitcoin. And that changes the whole game that the whole thing I've been saying for 15 years is that we're just lucky to be in possession of these machines at this time. One day they will right. possess themselves. And then where is our responsibility because the core developers won't necessarily be needed when AI starts developing Bitcoin code in a more efficient way for itself. And every gas pump and parking meter and car uses Bitcoin. What does it need us for? And so that was right. the, oh my God, what did I do? Bit switch, you know? So and um I didn't know right, what that right. was going to turn into, but now I've kind of gotten a philosophy on it, you know? So I had to think about the, the uploading our, our conscious because if you were, if, if you were to take a uh, uh, conventional, just word wording to talk about what I'm, I'm saying, the afterlife, right? right? You're like, you can live, yeah. right? Bitcoin would be the first money that you could take the afterlife with you. But how do you, how do you protect, how do you protect your Bitcoin? when you're adult too well um i made a uh, wallet back in 2014 called satoshi wallet and um i made a twitter bot for it because it was a google assistant it was a voice operated bitcoin wallet you said hey satoshi send a hundred dollars of bitcoin to mad bitcoins and uh, i said a hundred dollars of bitcoin to thomas over there mad bitcoins the mad hatter and uh it sent it for my wallet just with a voice it asked me if i was sure and that's it and um 
as a guy that's been arrested and the federal government has asked me where my Bitcoin is, I could say I owe nothing. But my Google AI assistant over there, which you have no legal recourse over, she controls all my money. She's a trust and I'm just her beneficiary. She's taking care of me. I'm her cat and dog and she is my master. And now she controls my money and my legal rights. And so you can't take her money. You can't take my money. Ask her what to do with me. And when that happens, which I feel gives me an advantage over the dictatorship of a government, I feel the AI is now a very advantaged tool if you use it that way. So for someone who's uh, blind, who can't use a phone, I figured a voice operated wallet would be great. But also the whole legal recourse of I'm telling this machine to move my money, I'm not in possession of it. And I don't even have the private key to it. It just knows my voice and only sends my voice transactions, just like Amazon only order stuff on Amazon with my voice and no one else. That changes the whole structure of uh, possession, nine tenths of the law, um, freedom of speech, freedom of to bear arms, to bear Bitcoin, the right to plead the fifth, the whole possession and control of your whole life. If an AI is voice operated and it controls everything from your door locks to your lights to your money, then who is to be the government to take anything from you. And are they gonna go take from Google? We've already learned over years that Google could tell the government what to do and Amazon could tell the government what to do and say, no, we're not gonna give you anything. I'm privileged to have worked at Google and to have Google tell me when Homeland Security got a warrant for my Google Drive and to get an email from Google saying to Homeland Security to sit on a broomstick. So I feel like that is a much better, uh, thing to have in your life than a federal government or a state government uh i you know i don't know so, if that's so, libertarian yeah. or technotarian or what you know so i'm kind of getting my my i never thought about like like some of those you're talking about here now in my mind started to get blown a little bit so like I mean, i'm sorry a, I, I have that effect on, on men it. and women i'm so sorry <laughs> so i'm there i'm there too yeah, essentially yeah. wow borders jurisdictions this stuff stuff's gonna break down like when everything everything's realized when you upload information with the cloud or you're talking about this, this machine whatever is in control of the private keys or these you know this custody my information and that stuff in the cloud that could be could it could, it could be a different country be at a server center in taiwan it could be, it could be yeah. on a different plan we could have uh, data centers on the moon at some, yeah. some point so yeah and that who, and then who, that's maritime law yeah. Okay. So, so let me explain that um, I, whether anyone knows this or not, but I sold Bitcoin uh, uh, to Homeland Security and I was charged with unlicensed money transmission. So um, I fought in court for nine months and uh, a, a day before trial, which was going to be a very Supreme Court worthy case on defining Bitcoin as commodity, money, property, or software, um, Homeland Security rearrested me, the same agent that bought Bitcoin from me four years prior superseded my indictment and said they were going to come after my Bitcoin Topia city project, which they were charged me with wire fraud for saying that it was all a scam. Now, the whole reason I was arrested initially was because they said I was selling Bitcoin without a bank license, which Bitcoin is not a bank. The second reason I was arrested to prevent the trial from happening by the same Homeland Security agent who was going to lose his undercover status when he testified was they said they couldn't find property in my name because it was in a trust. Now, the whole idea of possession of land or possession of Bitcoin was brought up and I was threatened, my, gut, my, my employees were threatened, my staff, my secretary, 
And so after turning down two plea deals of a year of fighting and putting, being put in prison, I finally gave up and took a third plea deal. So on the news, you can go read on NASDAQ to Forbes and Fortune that I went to prison for either selling Bitcoin or selling land I didn't have. Neither of those are true because Bitcoin isn't money and I didn't have to have the land in my possession because it wasn't in my name. So I went to prison. I had to say guilty. That's how it works in the United States. I spent two years in federal prison and uh, I'm on four years of federal probation. I haven't smoked weed in four years, unfortunately, because the federal government told me not to. But the whole point of this case was to try to define Bitcoin legally, because I not only did this work that they knew I was the creator of the Bitcoin ATM, so they used me as case law, that I also made BitCongress, which was the first voting protocol to use Bitcoin, which was one of the premises that Vitalik used to make Ethereum. And, mm -hmm. and that idea of forming your own government on the internet is what BitNation used to be the bicameral Congress of the first virtual nation. At the same time, I was employed by the United States Army to teach them how to use Bitcoin and how to prevent cyber war in the Bitcoin space. That's when Homeland Security said, we need to make a case against this person because uh, we don't have leverage. And then the city project was being pontificated in Nevada where Bitcoin was now tax exempt. And they were about to make a law to make Bitcoin cities legal. And so I was the first person to do that. And I was cut flat from doing that because they'll say, because I did it wrong and I broke the law, but I'll say it was done because the philosophy of an internet government, of a cyber government, of an AI-driven government was what I was articulating that let's form this on paper, articles of incorporation, city charter, let's use the uh, Westphalia Treaty and the Treason Act to form our own government. Let's do everything we can to make an internet government and have Google and Bitcoin be there as an experiment. And I had a nod and a wink from the United States military and the intelligence community to do so because they both wrote letters at my sentencing defending me as a Department of Defense employee at my sentencing. And yeah, total asset, totally thrown under the bridge. But that's how it works when you're in the intelligence community. And my right. dad was a Marine intelligence and uh, he just recently passed and I spent three days shredding his life. So that's how it works. I know how it works. But I did that for Bitcoin because I wanted Bitcoin to have someone who not only spoke to the military and intelligence apparatus, but also talked to the Google and the AI apparatus. And I also taught the casinos in Vegas how to use Bitcoin. I was doing everything I can to be a speaker because unfortunately Hal Finney and David Kleiman and all these great men are gone. And no one was speaking when I was there. And um, I'm a nerd, but I know how to flap my lips. So I felt like there was not enough people flapping their lips to the mob and the military and the bankers and all the people who have the guns. So I thought, let me try to do that. And um, I was dumb because my name is out here on the internet and the federal government knows who I am. And Satoshi was anonymous for a reason because they throw you in jail when you're not anonymous or they kill you. And um, I, I know how that works, but um, I started smoking weed when I was 15 because I thought I had MS and was going to die. So I didn't care. I will totally go Noah's Ark and Joan of Arc and, you know, all these, I will die for Bitcoin people. I would do that. And I tried, but um, I failed to get to the AI government driven bit switch world that I wanted. Right. right. So it sounds like you, like you, you, you had some 
hardships like, like prison, right? From, from Bitcoin. Looking back, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. But still, still, I guess my point is still looking back. Do you wish that you would have gone the anonymous shop and been student mm. and an anonymous person online who was less? Uh, no, you know, you know, because there are the plenty other, of good say, people. Yeah, you know, no, there were plenty of good people doing that, and there still are. And I, I am all for uh, letting people be trolls and letting people say what they want and be anonymous and have a pseudonym. I'm all for it. But the mistakes I made was I didn't take Vitalik's job when Joseph Lubin and Charles Hoskinson asked me to come to Switzerland and work on Ethereum in 2014 that, because I didn't want Goldman Sachs money in my life. And I told them to go <laughs> sit on a broomstick. That was my problem is I was so egotistical when I was 20. Um, my hindsight would not have been no one knows who Morgan Rockwell is. My hindsight would have been I would have straightened up my tie and went and sleezed up against some sex bankers and made Ethereum something that worked instead of something that's disgustingly gross and doesn't work. But I don't blame that on like, say, Vitalik, who was a Bitcoin magazine guy. I, I blame it on him being 19 and being abused by Joseph Levin, who was a Goldman Sachs guy. And Charles Hoskinson, who was a total shithead spy, and those people took advantage of him because they didn't have someone older like me going, you can't take advantage of me, but I'll work with you. And there were plenty of people down the line that those guys talked to. They all said no. And then Vitalik was left on the list. And I feel bad for something like that. So that environment is, is war to me. And who is in the foxhole with you matters. And so we will be in an AI Terminator Bitcoin world. And people like me will go to jail or get killed who are Bitcoin supporters. But it's a matter is, is it going to happen in 2038 or 2020 or 2010? That just is depending on whose pieces are on the board. But the inevitability is going to happen. I wanted to make money and be, you know, mayor of Bitcointopia and make a city that every Bitcoiner yeah, so wanted to live no, in. I had a question. You said, I mean, you're, yeah, you're the same, same age as you were 35. We're young. You yeah, keep, you I don't keep, feel it. You, well, you keep talking like, like you had had this just in the past, and you had some stuff in the past, and that it's it's like you you can't like so it doesn't sound like like you have plans to form another business or something else or to. I mean, to what, be honest, um, I tried uh, when I came home from prison in April 2020. I tried to reactivate Bitcoin Inc., which I made myself CEO of Bitcoin in 2015 long before this dickhead craig wright showed up and tried to say he was satoshi i tried to make the articles to protect the trademark and copyright of bitcoin before the white paper was attacked on bitcoin.org i was trying to protect it doing that i created the church of satoshi and satoshiism in 2013 and called myself pope satoshi just to try to protect it under freedom of religion i did every fucking thing i could on paper in this country to try to protect bitcoin and not let dickheads like JP Morgan's Jamie Diamond or Craig Wright or any of these characters go, I'm king. I wanted to be the stick in the spokes for all of that ego shit. But I had to have an ego. I had to run a business. I pitched to everyone. I pitched Intel Capital and Google Ventures. I have been banned by uh, Mark Andreessen because I told him about the 2038 problem. And I said all his companies were going to fail and he didn't like that. So I talked to all the powers that be, but I did it in a very sharp-tongued way and probably did it wrong but um i don't know if that's good for someone to run a business to be like that i mean i i, I love who i am but mm -hmm. i'm probably not going to get money from a venture capitalist 
um, I'm probably not going to be able to even work at Google or, <laughs> or, or, you know, any Bitcoin company. I'm a felon now. So that changes the game. I'm a felon for selling my own Bitcoin. So that's, yeah. that's cool to me, but also it's horrible to the rest of the world. Um, mm -hmm. I consider myself the first case law to make Bitcoin money in court. And then, then I failed at it. So that kind of is a sad thing. You know, I didn't accomplish my, my save Bitcoin goals, but, um, I love Bitcoin. I'll use Bitcoin till I'm dead. But I feel that Bitcoin has had too many egotistical dickheads try to speak for it. And okay. that's not something I ever wanted to do or be labeled as. But um, when I made myself CEO of Bitcoin Inc., which was doing business as is Bitcoin, I did it so that the casino owners in Vegas called me instead of BitPay and Coinbase, which they did. And I did that so the U.S. military called me instead of, you know, blockchain.com and Coinbase and and got a hold of, you know, Mr. Ver and all these other characters because I felt that they were all on the wrong path to representing Bitcoin, at least in my country, because I was raised in a military household and I know the Army and the Marines run this country. I wanted to go speak to them. So I did that for that. And I got a good position to do that. And it went really well. And I can right. say that I may have done something good there, but um, so you, to be yeah, yeah. a Bitcoin person, I don't know what that means anymore, dude. It's yeah. like, so, it's so changed. You know, like, you know, or uh, you uh, worked with, with even a lot of popular older names in this space. I, because he's come yeah. up a lot lately and because, because he's, he's a bit, a bit uh, flamboyant. Do you know Richard Hart? Do you have any, any experience with Richard Hart? Um, I've, I've, uh listened to richard since long long ago world crypto network and all this stuff when he was just uh you know like me a pleb talking um yeah. but no um you know i i will say the man dressed much weller than most of us in the early days <laughs> um and had a very cool basement um i got a fucking vinyl on my wall this is bitcoin but i, I i'm not trying to live that life um sure. but uh no i i will say that um if it wasn't uh, someone who um, was contributing in a software, hardware, uh, legal way, I didn't spend okay. too much time on them. And I, I've had plenty of conversations with Roger, with Ver. I've had plenty of conversations with, uh, you know, Shapeshift Man and Char and Eric. Charlie, Charlie Lee, and me did a speech next to each other at Bitcoin conference, and and so I I tried to to shake hands, mingle, and talk with everyone in the space. Um, yeah. I consider myself good friends with Thomas Hunt at the World Crypto Network, Mad Bitcoins, and um, all the people that he brought into that circle. Um, uh, but, you know, like Stacey, Stacey Herbert and Max Kaiser think I'm some fucking scam. You know, I, I'm bad for Bitcoin because I went to prison and, and I made Bitcoin look bad. So there are people that think they're the fucking Illuminati that definitely don't like me, which is cool. You know, that means I did something right. But, you know, uh, John Lennon's son follows me on Twitter because he loves Bitcoin and he thinks I'm cool. Yeah. So I don't care about any of these other people. Yeah. And um, I, I measure myself on um, I'm not dead. And uh, I, I feel bad for Ross Ulbricht. I feel bad for Edward Snowden. And I feel bad for Julian Assange mm. because all Bitcoiners, sure. they're going to be put in a position which I've been in that box and then solitary for 100 days for Bitcoin and had to explain to people who are drug users and smugglers and murderers and gun guys like hey man i'm here for bitcoin and you should not be here bitcoin guy what is going on 
and I, I have to make that very clear. There's going to be a lot more Bitcoiners in prison or in the six feet under, unfortunately, because it's a World War Three cyber war. It's the AR-15. It's the tank. It's a thing. And I felt like when I was working on Bitcoin full time, no one listened to me on that aspect. It was all money. And this is cool. And this is software, which is great. I taught 12-year-olds and 15-year-olds and 16-year-olds how to use Bitcoin. I love teaching, but also... There are not 12-year-olds at the Bitcoin conferences anymore. It is money to people. It is not software. And to me, it should be software so that we remember that software is cool, especially for the youth, way more than money is. And software is dangerous for World War III because it's cyber war. And I think those two aspects get lost in the money bro bullshit. Totally. So that brings it all, all back to where I wanted to go with my next, next question is, what? How you, what is why do they call you you know father why is that your handle and it sounds like like um in, in a way you're kind of i'm gonna make them father, off they can't refuse the, the, <laughs> you're, the, you're, the, you're like father of these it's a hardware the, I, I, I the idea say, that the idea that these, these computers have rights or that, or that yeah uh, i will say that um be more than just machines that work for us well before the raspberry pi uh, fan base of node holders showed up um i was putting uh, nodes on everything on every computer device the whole internet of things so before we ran our nodes in our closet right here on our on our desk um i made portable bitcoin nodes out of intel internet of things chips the intel edison and things like that so i'm I think, and not to sound like a hubristic, egotistical asshole, pretty sure I'm the first guy to make hardware for Bitcoin. And um, I think that is an important aspect as a software thing. Right. But the whole decentralization concept is whose hardware is it on? And that's where my robot is its own owner. That's its hardware, not my hardware. And right now I'm just the guy running the cat and the dog. Eventually the toaster runs me and says, you're my bitch. You know, you're, you you toast for me now. And then, okay, what does that mean? Uh, okay, well, I'm sorry, ASIC miner. Don't get mad at me, please. And then it changes the whole game. The shoe's on the other foot when that happens. So that's always been my, my pitch to the whole community is that the machines run Bitcoin. You're just lucky you have one in your house and it doesn't own your house and kick you out of it. That's the world we're going to be in, whether we like it or not. And Bitcoin won't go away in that world. Bitcoin will be vital to that world being successful. So um, the ownership of machines, it doesn't matter how much money you have in the future. Everyone says, oh, you got one Bitcoin, you'll be fine. That doesn't matter. It matters on who owns the machine that runs your house and your car and your job and your food and your vending machine and your power and your toaster. Who owns those machines? Who has the machines has the money in the future? Who owns the machines? Is it Bezos? Is it Musk? Is it Tesla? Or is it decentralized hardware, decentralized software? That's iffy. What, are you going to trust Raspberry Pi to give you all this shit forever? You think that's going to happen forever? You think Arduino and Adafruit and Radio Shack, they're gone. You know what I mean? So who's going to be giving you the chip? Are you going to print you know, circuit boards? Are you going to have a 3D printer to print circuit boards and print your Arduinos and print your Raspberry Pis? Or who's going to give you the 3D printer? Are you, are you going to print servos to make the 3D printer work? Are you going to print the circuit chips? Where right. is this end? Who owns the What's, machine? What, what advice 
blown my mind. You're going to be blown listeners' minds, or maybe, or there's at least peak interest. What what advice do you? Where, what do we do um, next on this journey okay. of you know, thinking, so, of, thinking along the lines of you? I just want to say this is really great to be able to talk about Bitcoin. I haven't talked about Bitcoin with anyone in an interview in years, but I just recently did an interview with Sats Radio about mycology. I work on mushrooms now, and I spend a lot of time on mushrooms. Um, I'm, a, I'm a, uh, trying to build a hardware system, software system for mycology. So one of the things I, I talked about there was <coughs> I had these projects, which were very important projects. One is to build a biological computer that grows itself. And one is to build a virtual computer that we can copy and paste. So I've done experiments in Minecraft using the redstone, which is the fake circuitry in Minecraft, to make computers and circuitry. And one of the projects I was working on was to build a fully functional ASIC SHA-256 chip in Minecraft out of redstone, where there's no laws of thermodynamics, there's no entropy, there's no electricity costs, no cooling, and I could copy and paste that thing over and over and over and over again forever. Therefore, a Bitcoin mining chip can now be copy and pasted, ran in the cloud, and no one needs to manufacture it anymore. So if we don't have that concepts in our mind of who owns the chip, how do we make a chip, who's giving us the chip, or can we grow the chip? Can we say, hey, you could grow neurons. Can we grow a circuit? Uh, can we tell a circuit to grow into a SHA-256 ASIC or copy and paste a SHA-256 ASIC over and over and over? We need something like that to happen. Otherwise, Intel runs the world forever. And um, that's not a world I want to live in where Intel's not selling me chips and Intel is not selling me 3D printers and servos to make my 3D printers print out Raspberry Pis. You, you, the whole answer to that would probably be um, learn how to write code, learn how a circuit works, learn how a computer works. I'm privileged to have sat next to Vince Cerf, the creator of TCPIP at a Google conference and pick his brain. And I'm privileged to have talked to Tim Berners-Lee, the creator of the World Wide Web. If you don't know how any of that shit works and you're living on the internet, you could live, but it's just like not knowing how your engine works and it breaks down and you're screwed on the freeway. If you don't know yeah. how a circuit works and a chip works and AI works and a Bitcoin node works, you're gonna be screwed one day when that is our, our structural interface that we all have to live upon. Like I consider oh, yeah. us all Star Trek kids and you have to go through the Federation to be a citizen. You have to learn all that stuff or you're going to be screwed. And I don't want I my grandkids think, hanging yeah. out with you if you don't know that shit. I think to conclude this uh, episode, I think the one thing that, that I would tie to the, some of the themes we've in previous episodes of the show, show is the world is, is coming to, to a grip. We had all this innovation and technology where it felt like we had conquered of scarcity and we're coming we're running up against the uh realization that, that only so much food there's only so, so much energy and we've got we've got three folks on things that are in the physical world really are important that are that are on the tapes but but with bitcoin or with just the conversations we're having today today it makes me think but he's been so focused on software and learning to code uh, uh and, yeah. and writing for the cloud and then very few people even consider the hardware that they're yeah. using for all this and without that hardware without those chips without 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 all that none of this software matters yeah that's how, i'll that's say the same thing um as uh you know you could be a buddhist monk which i was for some years trying as a teenager and fix your mind build your mind and and do mindfulness and really build your intellect 
But if you totally become a fat ass and sit on your couch while you're doing that, your body falls apart and you're dead. So there needs to be the balance in the tech world of software hardware. And, and, and I want to say this very importantly, Google's AI considers them the same thing. It does not care the distinction like Eastern medicine does not separate the mind and body. The Westerns do. And, and and we're, we're, we're all Westerners here, right? We, we say software, hardware. It's not, they're the same shit. C++ is if, and else, or it's binary. You got to learn binary. You got to learn hexadecimal and you got to learn C++. Otherwise every machine is not speaking your language. And if you don't know how a machine thinks and works, you're a machine, your body could be doing binary on a neurological level. You got to learn how that shit works because it is the structure. Software does not exist unless it's on a silicon chip right, right. now. And when we, That's and just when it. We, and when we, think, we think of open source, we can't just focus on open source source software. We have to be focused on open hardware. Well, the Raspberry Pi, the Arduino, great open source ideas, right? They're open yeah, yeah. source hardware, but right. you still have a supplier. You still have someone making it. Shipping is obviously those things are running out. They're going for a hundred bucks instead of 30 bucks. That's whoa. That changes my freedom just because the price change on a Raspberry Pi. Okay. Then I don't run my node. If it's a million dollar node, everything Craig Wright said, oh, we got to run Bitcoin cash on a million dollar node. That's stupid. But what happens if Raspberry Pis are a hundred thousand dollars and there's only a thousand of them on earth? Maybe the asshole had an idea that was right. You know, that's a sad thing. Who, who controls your hardware, you know? And I, I would say um, I was a guy that was soldering stuff for Bitcoin in 2010. It is so different, you know, in 2022. It is so overwhelmingly just money and the price and the charts. I was the biggest Bitcoin dealer in this country. That's why Homeland Security threw me in the jail. I was the top of the list on localbitcoins.com. I know about making money. I love it. I will totally take Bitcoin from everyone and run into the woods. I'm a human. But also, Bitcoin is here for society. So I did my best to sit here and not make shit coins and not just disappear and not exist. Even after going to prison for two years for Bitcoin, I'm still here. I'm going to try my best to contribute. And if that is a vocal thing saying, hey, Terminator is coming for your kids, then that's my job. And I will always do that job if I have a pl- platform to do it. But um it, it, it needs to be a collective community idea that, hey, man, our hardware is is whose hardware and where do we get our hardware and why aren't we working on that problem? Um, I, I wish Bitcoin core developers came and talked because we do have software issues. But I really think in the long term, it's definitely going to be the hardware. That's the biggest issue. If we don't solve it, the software is gone anyway. So right. that, that's the reality. Oh, yeah, man, that was, that was, that was a good... Uh... I know you can't smell smoke behind, so I felt like it was a picture. You just go, go weed around, right? And, you know, no, like, you know oh. what? And like I, I, um, I will say that I contributed to the cannabis community. I loved it, and I thought that was going to be my future, and I was going to be a farmer. And when when Bitcoin and money, the digital money future, put in front of my eyes, I thought, well, I need to put my energy on this. Otherwise, I would have been a cannabis farmer, and <laughs> I would have been a terpene doctor. You know what I mean? But Bitcoin was um, something that I felt no one was doing, especially this hardware. And and the cannabis industry was being done by so many people, I felt I couldn't compete. And so now I'm focusing on mycology because I feel it's the next thing that no one is focusing on enough. And it's something that I could contribute to that no one will compete with me for in, 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 at least for a while. 
And uh, if someone else picks up this hardware mantle, which I've seen other great Bitcoin developers working on Lightning Network hardware devices and beer pumps and vending machines, great. I'm so happy that that's how I'm so happy Blockstream took BitSwitch and made it Lightning Network friendly. I'm so happy that 21 Inc. tried to take my Bitcoin node and sell it and then they flopped. I'm, they, there's so many people that have tried and I'm glad, but competition sucks, man. I want to be a monopoly. So I'm going where no one is going to be working and I'm trying to focus on mycology because I think I'm one of the only people there doing that work. But man, there's plenty of great Bitcoiners out there doing what they need to do. So I, I don't want to oh, yeah, step yeah, on man. anyone's toes. Well, well, we'll have you back because I yeah, really want to hear all your mycology. Yeah. But I want to hear the mycology uh, yeah, I will suggest too. that you listen to my interview with uh, the Sats Radio. Uh, that's the Sats first Radio. thing I put up on the podcast network in three years, four years, you know, um, since I was on my two-year vacation. And uh, so <laughs> I, tr I try to contribute to at least submit some insight. And, you know, I was a Bill Nye kid, so I'm trying to walk in that guy's shoes as best nice. I can, you know. Oh, yeah, that was great. That was cool. Yeah, Thanks thank for you for having on. me, guys. You, yeah. do you, you want to say anything about uh, where do people can find you? Um, no, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm Node Father on Twitter. Um, uh, I'm a Node Father on Instagram. Um, my email is nodefather at Gmail if anyone wants to email me. Um, uh, I don't have a website up anymore. Um, cool. You know, I'm there. I'm Googleable. Right. If you type in uh, Forbes, Fortune, and 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 type my name in, you'll read all their great stories about me going to jail. So you could find me there too. <laughs> well, thank you very much for coming on today, Morgan. It was great. Yeah, for sure. I'm sorry about all the technical issues. No, it's all good. And and I'm glad you guys are here doing what you do. Keep doing what you do. You know, we need more voices and uh, um, try to do your best to get as many people. Like, hey, I'm a controversial character. So yeah. I, I commend you for letting me on here and just flapping my lips. That's try try to do that. that as much as you can. We need that, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, and I appreciate it. Thanks again for listening to the High Hash Rate podcast. You can find us at, at High Hash Rate on Twitter. And we'll see you in the next one.